I usually sing something into my phone or something. So, you know, this is the lick. And then I wanted to do this and then I wanted to do that. And then maybe a breakdown right here. And then maybe we can drop keys. You know, I have that in my head. But without, you know, really dope ass musicians, it's, it's, it doesn't come to fruition. You know what I mean? If you have average guys, the song's not going to be good. You got to have people that understand, you know, that I don't have theory. I can't speak theory to you. I can speak a feeling. Welcome to the Green... Jeez. Welcome to the Dream Studios podcast. I'm your host, Hogue, the recording and mixing engineer here at the Dream Recording Studio in South Austin, Texas. My guest this week is Shah Alheem, a.k.a. Goldie Pipes. I met Shah a long, long time ago, maybe 15 years ago, when my band Full Service was playing in Houston. Shah and Full Service shared the stage plenty of times, and Shah is one of those guys who just embodies music. There's no separation between Shah and music. He is music. But uh, but wait, let's start let's start calling him Goldie Pipes now because we're talking about the music because that's what he goes by. And it was under that name that Shah came in in late 2019, I think, to record his album The Chocolate Quarters. Not all the songs were mixed and recorded here at The Dream, but several were, and this album is all over the place in in all the best ways. I said that Goldie Pipes embodies music, that he is music, and that's evident when you consider the scope of the flavors on the Chocolate Quarters album. There are acapella tracks with full instrumental beatbox-style arrangements. There's some old porch blues. There's some spoken word stuff. There's classic funk, modern funk, hip-hop, soul, gospel. Over the years, Goldie Pipes has dipped into all these styles. I've seen him, but I'm not sure he's ever just said, fuck it, and dumped all of them onto the same album. And I think it was a good move. Uh, He can walk you through his thought process on that much better than I can. But one of the things I found most fascinating about recording Goldie Pipes was the way he conducted his band. He is a true musical director, both in terms of the broad strokes and the specifics. But we'll get to that. First, before I introduce him, let's listen to a bit of the track Working On, Working It Out from the Chocolate Quarters. I'm working on, working it out Ain't always right, but I'm always proud I do my best, right here, right now So that my feet match the words of my mouth Mm, so good. Shaw, a.k.a. Goldie Pipes, thanks for being on the Dream Studios podcast. Please say hello to your friend, Hogue. Hello, my friend, Hogue. <laughs> well done. You're doing great so far. <laughs> Let's dive right in, because I know you're a little a little pressed for time today. You're a busy man. Always, man. That's my life. <laughs> Shaw, uh, will you just fill in some of the holes for us? I gave some vague background information in the intro, but just tell us a little bit about your musical history leading up to the recording of The Chocolate Quarters. I realize that's a huge question, but hit us with the in- important stuff. You know, a, a, paint a picture of your early days, your middle days, and your, your now days. Wow, man. Um, yeah, it's pretty loaded. Uh, I mean, just because I started so early, uh, you know, um, I come from a singing family, uh, mostly in church when I was a little, you know, four, five, six years old, singing in the church. So that was that was my beginning. Uh, you know, a lot of soul singers, that's pretty much our beginnings. Um, shout out to Greater Macedonia Baptist Church. That's where I grew up um, in Houston, Texas, Carverdale, the neighborhood I grew up in. That's the that's where the church was. Anyway, um, 
just sitting around the house, listening to old gospel records. With, you know, my grandmother would play her music, especially on Sundays. The house is just, they're just playing, you know, gospel music really loud. My grandfather was really into the blues. Um, he's from Louisiana. Um, so, you know, just a country boy, you know what I mean? So he listened to basically blues and country music. Um, so there's a little bit of everything around the house. Uh, then my uncle, he would always come in and out because uh, my grandparents raised me. My, my parents were teenagers when I was born. So I was uh, raised by my grandparents. So I was always around old, old vibes, you know what I mean? Like old music, old sayings. You know, you've been around me long enough. I'm sure you heard some of those old country sayings or some of my twain. So um, that's just because I grew up around elders, you know. Um, my uncle would always come around and play funk records. Uh, he loved, uh, you know, like uh, Asley Brothers. He loved uh, Johnny Guitar Watson, um, George Clinton and the Funkadelic, Parliament Funkadelics. Like he introduced me to all of that music. So uh, it was a really big mix. Um, growing up in the 80s, of course, MTV was just kicking off real good. So. When I got home, I got my share of, you know, my run DMC, but I also got my uh, B-52s, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got my my Love Shack on, you know, and uh, my Walk Like an Egyptian on, you know. Bon, I love Bon Jovi. I love Axl Rose. You know, Guns N' Roses is one of my favorite bands. So, you know, it was, it was all over the place just because of the environment. So uh, those were my early days. And uh, I, I joined the gospel band. Uh, well, not really a band, um, but a group. We sung a lot of acapella stuff, which is you hear, like you mentioned acapella in my um, intro. I That's all we did. We sung acapella early. So my ear was honed from singing with my bigger cousins, um, just doing acapella songs. And uh, I would have to sing different parts depending on who was singing lead. I would jump to their part. So I had in the middle of the song, I would have to just jump, you know, to whoever note. Oh, that's left. not easy. It's not. It's not. But I mean, you know, after you, it's muscle memory. After, so after you do it, you know, for, for years, it's just... So, you know, I do it now. Even, I mean, I don't know if you heard me recording just by the house. I'll be singing in one place and on the same track, I'll jump up to another note because I'm, that's how I was trained to do it um, live. So I still have that habit. It's kind of a bad habit, but, you know, it's how I do it because that's how I learn. So, that, uh, you know, I started singing R&B with that same gospel group. We went secular <laughs> in uh, you know, early 90s. Uh, you know, modeling after the uh, the Jodeci's, the Boys, the Men's. You know, Silk, that, that you know, uh, then later a little Drew Hill. and But uh, definitely Jodeci was a really, really big influence on me because they also come from the church. You can hear that that uh, sound in their vibe. So I modeled a lot of myself after the Jodeci sound um, early on. Then D'Angelo came out, who was also out from the church. Um, I picked up on his voice. Um, around that same time, I started really jamming Nirvana. I got really heavy into Nirvana. Um, in the doors, I really loved with the doors and Rolling Stones. Uh, I started getting into this classic rock, you know, I don't even want to say phase, I just dove into it. So that was late 90s. And of course, hip hop has always been there. Um, you know, Scarface, Nas, you know, I love uh, I love Jay-Z, I love Ice Cube, Public Enemy. I know I know that that uh rings your bell. Yeah. <laughs> we went to see Public Enemy together. Uh yeah. They were yep. playing with Mastodon. <laughs> Yeah, at uh, what was that? Was that uh, Blues on the Green? Or was that South by? Oh, South by. It was like, yeah, it was it was at the park, but it was a South by at show. the park, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, great, crazy show. Yeah, Master Don, right? <laughs> yeah, I was, like, <laughs> I was like, what the hell did he say? I don't know. This is my favorite band. Yeah, you were like, uh, these guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> I told y'all, I said, you know what? Actually, I like y'all better than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good time. That was a good time. So that takes us up to uh, pretty. Pretty much like the the middle days, I guess. Keep going, keep going. 
Yeah, that was the middle days. Uh, and so, I mean, like you said, being all over the place, it was just because of the influences. And it was at that time, I still didn't have my sound. I was still like emulating people that I liked. Um, and but I didn't know how to fuse it. You know what I mean? So I've always rapped and sing. You know, it's like that's the thing now. It's like right now, if you don't rap and sing, the industry don't want you. You got to be able to do both. But when I was coming up, nope, you either rap or you sing. And so I kept getting a lot of flack for that. But I've always loved to rap and I've always loved to sing. And so I did both, um, which that's how, that's how I met you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, coming up to late middle was around the time I met y'all. Like you said, it's about 15 years ago. So, um, you know, I was still, you know, just really getting into to, uh, live rock music because I hadn't been to a lot of shows. And so it, it, it was a big influence, man. Uh, I did some cover shows, but just really, you know, I do it, but I'm, I'm, I really love doing original music. You know, I love doing original music, throwing a cover in there and, you know, just to, you know, show influences and pay some homage. But um, yeah, so, you know, it just kind of grew. And then I moved, I ended up moving to Austin in 2014. And that's kind of when things start changing for me as far as going towards singing the blues. I grew up listening to it, but uh, I got more into singing the blues and, uh, and classic soul vibes, which is what the Chocolate Quarters is more geared towards um, the funk and all of that. Because uh, I was working with this young guy named Billy, a hell of a guitar player. And um, he, I told him my song, he's like, oh, I could play the guitar. So I let him hear that song Carverdale that I wrote. And uh, Is this that really young guy you were, t- you were telling me about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. Um, and so, uh, you know, he, he told me, man, he heard me sing. He heard my song, Carverdale. And uh, you know that, my baby don't wear no draw. I love you know that one, yeah. Yeah, and so um, I want to remake that. So we're going to get in the studio. Hell yeah. And do it. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, you know, I got with him and um, he, he heard my voice. He's like, you need to sing the blues, man. Austin is a big blues town. And I think you can really catch on. And so I was like, hmm, you know, why not? So we gave it a try. We started a band called Mojo Child. It got kicking. We got rolling real good, recording the album. And uh, for whatever reason, people just started quitting as soon as the album was finished. Mm. So we never got a really, really got a chance to uh, to promote the album. And so that at that time is when I came up with the name Goldie Pipes. So that kind of brings us to now. What brings us to now is the fact that after everybody quit, I was like, well, I like the direction that I was going with my writing in that, in that particular band. I, you know, the funk element, the blues element. Um, you know, soil, it was all starting to blend. I finally was finding my sound and everybody that heard it was like, shot, that's your sound. That's it. That's the one. And, uh, you know, and when people say it, man, you, you know, you, you got to listen because those are people that's going to come to your shows and buy your albums. So, you know, everybody was telling me that's the one, that's the sound. You need to stick to that. And so I just jumped on the uh, thing. I changed my name to Goldie Pipes, which was a joke during Mojo Child, I guess. If you want to know that story, I'll explain that to you as well. <laughs> but, um, I just started, you know, I said, well, let's just do it. And I just figured, let's let's start this new project. That project became the, the Chocolate Quarters, and that's where we are now. Yeah, so the whole album is is great, but it's, it's, it's all very different. I would say one of the standouts for me, if I were to play a track mm-hmm. uh, for somebody from the Chocolate Quarters, and this has happened several times, I always go to Working On Working It Out, the one we, we teased a little bit after the intro, and yeah. um, you have a very detailed map in your head for each instrument's role in an, in an arrangement that seems realized yeah. before anything is put to tape, so to speak. Tell us a little yeah. bit about your your mind and how you make music and how you work with the band in there. We have a clip I'll post on uh, social media with this podcast, but talk about that a little bit. Well, um, 
Let's put it like this. Okay, James Brown is one of my heroes, you know, as far as musical heroes. Uh, he done some stuff in his personal life that I'm not too keen on, but <laughs> musical heroes, artistically. Uh, and I've come, you know, I watched some documentaries on him and I come to find out that I do a lot of things the way that he did it. And uh, he he was a drummer. Uh, so he did actually play an instrument and he could tinkle on, on the keys, but he was a drummer by profession. Um, he used to actually do like you. He played the drums and sang lead from the back. And then <laughs> they moved him to the front. They got him off the drums and got a drummer and moved him to the front because he was so dynamic as a as a performer. Um, so anyway, I, that was a bit of a tangent. Um, so I, it's, it's pretty much like him. I can't really play any instruments. I can like fiddle on the bass a little bit. I can find notes on the keyboard, but I can't play anything. So um, the way that I do it, I just uh, like... The song that I beatboxed that uh, that I sent to you, uh, "Gotta Have Her," that record. Um, it's kind of like I hear, I hear most of the time I hear like one line. So it might be a guitar lick I hear in my head. It might be a bass line that I hear in my head, and I just kind of run it through. And I guess for me, growing up singing a cappella with that group, like I told you, I can hear multiple parts simultaneously um, because I'm just used to that, you know, that a cappella stuff. So I can kind of hear two or three instruments. Maybe even you know more, but two or three instruments playing along with that groove, that lick, like they like they say, whatever that lick or that riff is, um, and so I kind of build it from there. And usually, you know, if you have good resources, uh, you know, like like yourself and uh, Bonesaw, when y'all you know helped me with the and Jimmy Blazer uh, create the butter grit sound. Um, basically, I can just come in the spot. And I say, look, this is what I have. I think you even pulled out your phone and said, sing it to me. Because mm -hmm. that's what I do. I usually sing something into my phone or something. So, you know, this is the lick. And then I wanted to do this and then I wanted to do that. And then maybe a breakdown right here. And then maybe we can drop keys. You know, I have that in my head. But without, you know, really dope-ass musicians, it's, it's, it doesn't come to fruition. You know what I mean? If you have average guys, the song's not going to be good. You got to have people that understand, you know, that I don't have theory. I can't speak theory to you. I can speak a feeling. You know, I can sing it to you and I can speak a feeling of what I'm feeling. And if you, you know, if you're dope enough, you can take that and, and you start playing. I'm like, yeah. But if it's almost that, well, not quite. I want a little more like this. And then that's exactly what you and Bonesaw did. And, I, and Butter Grits came out awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. But it, in a way, it's it's very easy to to work with you and have your ideas come across from from an instrumentalist point of view. So from my point of view, when you were bringing in Buttered Grits, for instance, you weren't talking in theoretical, like music theory terms, you were using your, you were beatboxing and you were, right. you were beatboxing the beat, you were singing the riff, you were right. singing what possibly you would do over vocals and you were, you were moving your body, which helps a lot. You know, there was a visual aspect yeah. to it. So when yeah. you were in there with your band that you brought in, which we'll talk about those guys in a minute, but there was a lot of, you were, you were moving around and uh, it seemed very easily communicated. And just to give the listener a sense of, it, you made a good point about that uh, Gotta Have Her track, which is all acapella. You built all those mm -hmm. sounds with your voice. Right. Um, so let's play a little bit of that and they can see how how you map out a song. And sometimes you don't need an instrumentalist. You just use your voice for the whole song. So we're going to play a little bit of that here. Okay. Gotta have her. Oh, 
All right, so I mean, it's all right there, you know. Everything's stacked up in in Gotta Have Her, and that was an exciting one for me to get all the tracks to. I was like, "You're like, I'm gonna send you some." I'm like, "Okay, I really don't have any idea what to expect." And it was like 24 <laughs> tracks of your voice, but they were labeled <laughs> right. like bass guitar, guitar left, yeah. guitar right, kick, snare, hi hat, but it's all your voice. <laughs> so it was a yeah. trip. You know, like, okay, I think I see what's going on. You had horns. You're like trumpet, saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so great. Let's talk about a, a little bit more about buttered grits because that's what an example of uh, of modern recording. I mean, you you recorded things in so many different ways on the Chocolate Quarters. Sometimes you brought the band in here. Sometimes right. you just sent me a whole bunch of tracks, like we just talked about uh, with Gotta Haver. And sometimes right. we just built it piece by piece with buttered grits you sang me the you sang me the riff i went in recorded a beat we gave it to bonesaw to put some guitar on at a later time you sent it to jimmy blazer to put bass on and i've never met jimmy blazer so we just like (laughs) kept stacking these things on and passing it's like a whisper down the lane recording you know and then you did your vocals yeah it's modern technology man you know it's uh it came in handy too especially with uh with covid the way it hit and shed a lot of things down uh you know, having people that have uh, matter of fact, Kelly, uh, Kelly also sent you a track, Kelly Ebler, um, Jelly Fingers. Jelly Fingers. Uh, he laid the uh, he that's, laid the clav. That's on right. Butters, on and sent that to you on that record. So, yeah, Jimmy Blazer and Kelly. That's right. And we never played the song together. Nope. <laughs> but you wouldn't be able to tell because I think it sounds awesome. Um, it does. Speaking of Jelly Fingers, a.k.a. Kelly, um, let's talk about the band you brought in here. You had... Uh, you had Jelly Fingers on keys. You had Keezy, which was the, the drummer, which sounds yes. like he might be a keys player, but no, Keezy was the drummer. You he had, the keys yeah, oh, he does. Yeah, he's uh, he's a bit of everything. He sings a little bit too. Tyrell yeah. was on guitar. Tyrell, yes, Elegonia, yes. And uh, remind me the the fellow's name Henry on bass. Henry Roberson. All right, the so go third. around and tell us a little bit about those guys and how you found them and, and what you thought of working with them. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start with Keezy. Uh, Keezy met him through a mutual friend, uh, Juanita Wright. She's a great musician and teacher in uh, her own right. She works at uh, KZI Radio also. Uh, I always say, hey, Miss Rabin. That's how I always be messing with her. She's a really nice lady. <laughs> uh, anyway, she she had a gig. Uh, I can't remember. You know, we've done a lot of gigs since we've been in Austin. So it was one of those gigs that uh, we were getting ready to do with, I believe, Mimi, uh, you, y'all haven't met her neither, but uh, Mimi the Funk Queen, she's a dynamite singer, so if you have in Austin and you hear about her, then yeah, definitely, you need to check her out. But um, she, she that's what it was. She she did a uh, a gig downtown, and she and I've sung background for her, you know, because we we're all good friends, my wife and her. Uh, so we me and my wife, we sung backgrounds for her at the gig, and Keezy was the drummer that she brought on. Um, you know, after you play that night, People, you know, personalities kind of mesh and, you know, if you, you know, you respect what the person does, if they got some, you know, some nasty sticks or, you know, some good pipes, you know, hey, man, you know, we ought to, you know, I mean, let's let's exchange numbers, that type of thing. And so we just started kind of building a rapport that way. And so uh, definitely when I started working on this project, uh, I have two or three guys that I usually work with at each, uh, you know, each instrument. So, uh, you know, he's like one of the first guys I usually call when I 
especially when I want to do that gospel-y kind of vibe that, you know, that I did on this project. Cause he's a, he's a, a church musician and he, he says it all the time. He's like, Shy's easy to play for. It's, it's just church. That's kind of how he says it. You know what I mean? It's just church music. So, which it, which it is. Most of my, you know, the majority of my sound vibe is built off of that old school gospel sound, you know, which a little history lesson, old school gospel music, soul music, blues music. I call them triplets. They're basically three sisters. They all come from the fields, you know, the cotton fields, the the rice fields, the, the sugar, the sugar fields. And it's basically, you know, uh, slavery and sharecropping. Um, people just out in there, you know, singing and then they'll go to church, of course, and sing. And so as the sharecropping came along, the people that were singing in church were also the same people that was playing at the juke joint the night before. You know what I mean? It's the same people. They sing. So, you know, you'll hear, hear a Ray Charles record and it sounds like a, a gospel record. Why? Because it was a gospel song that he flipped. Um, Sam Cooke, same deal. You know, Aretha Franklin, same deal. Um, James Brown in his early, early days before he invented the funk. That's, you know, exact same thing. Solomon Burke, same thing. So, um, you know, they basically just brought, it was the same people just playing at different places. And so it was the same with me. Uh, so Keezy, that's where I met him. Uh, matter of fact, we actually rehearsed at his church a couple of times. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's awesome. it's the, yeah. Um, so, you know, I met Keezy like that. Um, and Henry, I met Henry through a mutual friend, uh, actually, I had a gig um, at the Townsend downtown and uh, my buddy, uh, CG, he's also an engineer and a drummer, badass drummer as well. Uh, CG knows him through the military. So Henry is actually still in the military, you know, shout out to all the military men and women out there. Um, and he just likes to play and he's, he's a badass, of course, but he just likes to play. Um, I, I had opportunity for him to come jam and really it was my opportunity because he really blessed my track, you know, like, He's one of those people I can just sing a line to. He'll get the line and, and he'll start playing it and he adds his own spirit to it. And he'll shout, what about if we kind of make this kind of turn or that? And, um, you know, so it was easy with him, um, especially the way he and Kelly, uh, you know, interacted. They really, especially on uh, Instant Satisfaction, they really worked really well together. <laughs> sorry, Izzy. Sorry, man. Izzy, uh, my dog just, just busted the door open to the studio. Give me one second. Yeah. Yeah, I saw all of that light come in. Yeah. Like, all right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So that's why, you know, I met Henry through through CG, a mutual friend, and we built a it's funny thing. We actually have the same government last name. So I was like, I wonder if we're related because it's not a common last name. Well, it's not right. a common. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a common spelling. Um, but, you know, great, great ear. Really, uh, really cool guy. That That's uh, another thing that I really liked about these guys that were part of the project. It, uh, you know, when you get along with people and y'all got, uh, you know, a certain chemistry, it's it shows in the music. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you can hear that in the music. Uh, so yeah, you're, ha you're halfway there if you have a, a personal chemistry, I feel like, you know? Off the top. Yeah. Off the top. Yeah. Um, so, Tyrell, guitar player. Uh, I actually met Tyrell at Stay Gold over there on Cesar Chavez. Uh, he was playing in a reggae band. Um, oh, yeah. Guy, I've seen them. They're They're good. Yeah, they are, right? Uh, he's uh, he's the salt of the earth, man. He's he's a beautiful person, man. Like, his spirit is just so just so cool. He's like, hey, man, uh, I, I think I want to do this with sound. All right, man, yeah. All right, brother. Yeah, let's do it. You know, it's like just easy going. No no uh, ego. You know, how, you know how musicians are, man. We can we can be very egotistical. Um, no ego, just talented. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so he told me, you know, he's like, yeah, sure, I like your vibe, man. You know, you, you know, you got a good vibe. I'm like... 
I like your vibe too, man. <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of, you know, met like that. And again, it was uh, one of my guys couldn't make it. I picked up the phone, Tay Tyrell, I need a, uh, a guitar, you know, for this gig. You know, can you make it? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, bro. Uh, what time? He, he made it. And we played together that one time. And that was it. It was like, you know, he's my, I pick up the phone because I love playing with him. Um, Kelly, Jellyfingers, I think. Is, he, is that the last one? Jellyfingers is the last one. Yeah. Okay. Jellyfingers is actually, uh, was actually a keyboard player for Mojo Child, the blues band that uh, I was, that I mentioned earlier. Um, matter of fact, y'all go check it out. It's an album called Raw by Mojo Child, M-O-J-O-C-H-Y-L-D. He fit right in. Like we just, you know, could laugh and joke. And of course he's really talented. He loves the same type of music that I love. He's really into the funk. Like his father is actually a bass player, a funk bass player. Uh, so uh, it was like, it was, just, it was, it was so cool, easy. Like I said, chemistry was there. He's the funniest dude in the world. I mean, you know what I mean? Kelly's, he's like super funny. And so, you know, you can just talk shit with him. No ego again. Real good people. I, I love them all. Um, I do want to say something about Henry's bass. When he plugged that thing in, everything was already there. The tone, it just right. sounded, the EQ, I just, I don't even think I EQ'd it or did anything. We just kept it. And if you listen to, I think the best illustration would be uh, his sound on Instant Satisfaction, because it's kind of a bass intro um, going on in that song. And that's that. it just sounds so good. And I can't take credit because it was just the sound of his bass. What's up, fellas? Let's talk about that intro and outro on the album. Okay. Um, none of none of it was recorded here, but I did mix it. It's a right. it's a conga rhythm and a spoken word piece backed by uh, some classic Shah layered harmonies. Um, who's playing the congas on there, and who's doing the spoken word? And tell us about how this uh, came about. Congas is Karega uh, Ani, friend of mine from the uh, Pan African community in Houston. Uh, dope lyricist and poet, uh, very good friend, and he's also, you know, a drummer. Uh, he's a I, same deal. I picked up the phone. Hey man, uh, can you send me some some drum tracks? You know, I need some drums for this project. You know, because at, at the end of the day, all of this music, uh, and it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy how you know racism has really permeated you know our society, and it really shows its ugly face. You know, far too often, right? But uh, which is cool how, you know, you and I remain friends all these years. So we like, fuck that shit. Right. <laughs> but um, uh, he's uh, he played the the, the the congas. And the thing is, is all of our music that we have, especially American music, is rooted in the African drum, period. I mean, you know, I mean, you can't name the, any of this music the, from jazz to blues to hip hop to reggae, dancehall. I mean, all of it, even even uh, even country music. Because it, you know, it, it comes out of the fields, you know, with the interactions between, you know, the black people and the white people in the fields that are either, you know, working or overseeing or any of that stuff. We still interacted, you know, whether we liked each other or not. But you can still hear the drums playing. You can still hear the guitar playing. You know what I mean? Because sound travels. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, it has no. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get too metaf- you know, metaphorical with it. But I, I want to just say that uh, I, I really wanted to include that to, let, you know, to really say this is the root of our music. You know, all this music that we're playing is rooted in this drum. And so that's why it's the beginning. 
and the end of my album. You know what I mean? Um, and so basically the funny thing is though, the congas that you hear on that was actually supposed to go on butter grits. <laughs> no way. But, uh, yeah, that's the ones for butter grits. And uh I remember when I sent them to you, I still I sent those to you. But um when you mixed them in with your drums, you said it, it kind of clashed with the way you know you were playing. You remember that? Yeah, I do. And I, I can't remember why. Maybe did the congas come first and then I did my drums and I never heard the congas? It's something no, it, it just didn't. You did your drums first and the congas came after. Oh. And uh, then when you started mixing it, it kind of was fighting with your ear. And so well, I was I like, I hope okay. he doesn't hate me for that. It's just one of those things that just doesn't, you know, things sometimes don't fit. Yeah, I, I, I kept them. You know, I just figured I still had the email. And so when, uh, I wanted to, I was like, man, I need some drums to for this uh, spoken word at the beginning and the end. And I was like, oh, I do. I still have the congas that uh, that Hogan using. So I just loaded them up in my little session on my on my computer and started uh, kind of vibing to it. And then my to the spoken word artist, his name is Caleb Israel, the God. It's a buddy of mine. I've been knowing uh, around the same amount of time, I think around 2005, 2004, around the same amount of time I'm, I've known you. Um, we uh we met back then and uh you know he's a dope spoken word artist he's also a hip hop head and you know he loves classics so so we that's my day one like the first day we met we clicked it, it was it was like that and uh so I asked him of course to you know come speak on it um and he he did his job and he he laid it down you know excellent and so uh I, like I said I wanted to open and close it with that I and, and I basically just told him what the album was about I let him hear the songs he kind of vibed out you know with it and um. And then he wrote his piece. So, you know, it's basically encompassing all chocolate quarters. It's like all black music. You know what I mean? That that whole umbrella of black American music, you know, and which is basically just American music. Yeah. Uh, and so uh yeah, that's 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 where that came from. It was Caleb and uh Carrega. Uh, yeah. I think I think they came out dope. Yeah, I'm glad the uh I'm glad the conga track found a home. And uh, as far as the what he's saying on there, I think it's such an apt prologue to the album. Uh, like mm-hmm. you, like you just said, it it um, lets everybody know what what you're about to hear is a is a sampling of all of all the genres. And, right. Um, and then here it is, and then you bookend it at the end. Of course, that's a nice touch. Well, let's go to uh, let's go to picking this cotton. Uh, this is another example of a track you recorded acapella at home and sent me the tracks to mix. Uh, I have a funny story about this. You, so you said to keep it dry and natural sounding, but maybe to yeah. mix in some ambient noise because you wanted it to sound like a few guys sitting around just singing on the on the outside or on the stoop or the porch or something. Um, and I remember for some reason I was like, okay, and I I placed it in a modern context and added these urban city noises as the ambiance, like cars and car horns and, and traffic sounds. And you wrote back and we're like, uh, this is, this is pretty cool, but dude, we need to put this song in the country. Like think, think birds and stuff. And I felt so stupid, but, uh, I eventually added the birds and they sound really cool in there. So that was a good call, but go ahead and talk about, uh, picking this cotton and what went into that. Same deal as the, as the, uh, same deal as the intro and the outro. I kind of wanted to uh, just really push the roots of all of this music. Like I said, you have a lot of people, especially non-black people, that uh, love to sing the blues and claim the blues and 
tell people who's blues man and who ain't and how they love blues and all of that, um, which is, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's perfectly fine because again, it's all of our music, you know, sound does not discriminate. So, uh, I wanted just to make sure I put it out there that, hey, this is where that music comes from. This music that you say you love, um, that you're such a you know big fan of, such a big part of, it comes from the slave fields. So you have to acknowledge the fact that there were actually human beings working against their will, you know, <laughs> in this country. Um, and that's where that music comes from. It comes from those fields. Uh, you know, the blues comes from that experience. It comes from the sharecropping, working all day and night and barely getting anything and still actually owing, you know, owing the people. So you can actually never leave and never own the property because of the the, 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 race, the racism, you know, the oppression flat out. Um, so it's an ugly part of, of, of our history, but it's it's a big part of our history. And people tend to uh, want to pick and choose uh, what parts of the history that they want to claim and, and, and uplift and just kind of ignore other parts. But um, there's still a lot of, you know, things going on in our society that we see every day, especially with social media now, we see going on, you know, um, that that's frankly just not being addressed by the people that need to be addressing it. Um, so again, I just wanted to say, look, yeah, you love this music, it's cool, you can dance and shake your ass to it, but it comes from a certain experience that y'all want to continue to ignore. And the experience with the slave fields, you know, that that's just the flat out truth of it. So, you know, I made that song of about how, you know, my ancestors, frankly, um, made the best out of a bad situation. Like he was basically cracking jokes, you know, like we used to have this thing, you know, in the black community. I still do it kind of, they don't really call it anymore, but the dozens. It's kind of like battle rapping is now, but they would just sit out, you know, and kind of crack jokes on each other, rhyming, um, you know, talking about each other's mother or whatever else, you know, making the best of a bad situation. Um, and so that, I wanted that, that's what the lyrics were. It was like, you know, it's showing sure up hot picking this cotton today. I said it's showing sure up hot picking this cotton today. Ain't no clouds and the sun is cooking. My baby smell bad, but she's still good looking. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, just kind of making, you know, kind of cracking jokes to get through the day, you know, get through the work day and all that. So that's that's where that comes from. We're headed into the, the we're rounding third here on the, this episode, but I wanted to ask you a few more things. Uh, things about your experience here at, at the dream uh, in particular first I want to know if uh, the results you got here and I know this was a, a bit of a mishmash some things were recorded elsewhere but there was a good chunk recorded and mixed 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 here uh, I want to know if you got the results um, you were looking for if you're if they lived up to the vision you had for the songs actually yeah man um, yeah I did um, like you said, especially being the fact that it was, you know, the hodgepodge situation, but um, I'm proud of the project, man. You know, uh, I don't listen to it every day. You know, every now and then I kind of just put it on and ride and listen to it. And like, and I still get that same feeling like it's a good project. You know, uh, unfortunately, COVID kind of shut down the performance side of it because that's really I'm not really mm. as media savvy as uh, some others are. And so they really make a good deal of of their fanfare online. Um, I'm a stage guy, you know what I mean? I, I People get to hear my music and see me on stage. You know, that's where I get the majority of my quote unquote fanfare or just, you know, uh, people that just dig what I'm doing. It's usually from the stage. Yeah. I haven't been ever performed. So, uh, you know, that kind of, that's a bummer. You know, I'm kind of in the pits about that. I, I, I'll be glad when, you know, things open back up again to where I can actually get on stage and start, you know, 
promoting this album and just doing my thing. So, um, but yeah, I did get the results I wanted. I think it's a good album. Everybody that I talked to, um, they they dig it. You know, they, they, the sound quality, the the feeling. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I definitely I got I got what I needed out of it. You know, definitely awesome. I got the release and I got to be able to hear it back. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I can, well, it, you know, you're going to get on stage again soon and I can't wait to see these songs come alive and how you how you perform them. Um, you might have to get some, uh, you know, you, you can't have five shahs up there for some of these harmonies. You might have to <laughs> dole out some parts. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to get some background on some of them. Yeah, definitely. OK, final question here is going to be, uh, you know, you're pretty familiar with the with the room, with the cutting room in there at the dream there's a lot of stuff on the walls there's a lot of stuff um and you don't have to pick an item but what's what's your favorite thing about the dream it can be a particular thing in there or it can be more of a uh a vibe or something just say nice things about my studio please (laughs) i'm kind of biased though man um you're just like a real good friend you know what i mean so it's like it don't matter where we are. We, we can be in New Jersey in a cramped up ass van and we still have a good time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just hanging around you, I have a good time anyway. We've always been, me and you always had that connection. So, uh, yeah, I, I just had fun. It was, it was just a fun experience. Uh, you know, uh, hanging with you, especially with your ear. You know what I mean? Uh, I've had instances a lot of times with engineers that, uh, and this is away from us being friends. This is just the professional side of it. I had a lot of engineers that just don't get what I want. You know what I mean? They, they don't get it. Like, you'll send me something, like, what do you think about this, y'all? I'm like, yeah, but I, I want more of this. And then you'll send it back to me. What about this? Yeah, but this. And then, like, before I know it, you know, it might be three or four times of me saying, come on, Hogue, I want this, this, this. And it's like, <laughs> that's it. It's like, but sometimes, and, and that's because we were sending stuff back and forth. But anytime I'm sitting in the studio next to you, it's a lot easier to say, how about this or tweak that or that, you know, then it's usually like that. You know, some engineers, brother, like oh, throughout the years, like I said, I've been recording since 1991. I've been in the studio since then. Hmm. So it's like I've been with engineers that just they know how to press buttons and they, they know what they like, but they really don't know music. And so it's hard, you know, to really get the sound that I want. I've had plenty of times where I just didn't get what I wanted. And I just had to accept, you know, whatever came out of there or something because they just didn't have the ear, the artistic um ear to be able to you know to, to deliver that so no i definitely got what i wanted you were very easy to work with again fun got along with the room you know i didn't have any issues with you and my guys you know what i mean um not nah, easy it was it was a very easy project to do and so i think again i think the fun in in collaborating with you and recording there i think it shows in the music i mean like i said butter grits was fun as hell you know what i mean yeah uh, i just listen back to that song and it just it just you know what I mean? It just make you do that. Yeah. Because it just feels good. You know what I mean? So yeah, definitely, man. I, I again, and you went, you went above and beyond. Um, and, and maybe that's because we're friends too. You know, I'm not going to give all your secrets out to everybody, but uh, <laughs> just some stuff you did that you didn't have to do, you know what I mean? To, to make a project come through. So yeah, I appreciate that too. So yeah, definitely, man. It was a great experience. I, it was very fun to do. I'm glad that we finally actually got a chance to work together on music. Like I said, with Buddy Grits, as long as we've known each other, you know, I've sang some stuff over some of y'all's music, you know, but we've never actually done a record together. Yeah, we it finally happened. We, you know, some yeah. things needed to get into place first, but all, when, once those things were all in place, we did it. 
Yeah. It felt good, man. I, I enjoyed the time with you and all those things you just said about me. I'm going to throw right back at you. I feel the same way. And we did spend, we did spend some cramped times in a van in New Jersey. What? <laughs> I look back fondly on those times, but it was cramped. <laughs> it was um, cramped. Yeah, but let's uh, let's do it again sometime when uh, when the world ba- opens back up. Uh, we're out of time, but we covered everything. We do have two minutes, so so uh, I guess what's what's next for you? Are you are you writing now? Are you constantly writing? Uh, lately, I haven't been. I mean, I have uh, you know the I- ideas always flow, and so a lot of times I just sit around and have the ideas flow. Right now, it's just uh, I'm just working. Um, you know, to keep things afloat. And uh, I'm, in, I'm in school as well, you know, working to get me, uh, get my bachelor's um, as well as IT certifications. I'm also an IT guy. That's a, that's the other side of my life. Um, so I'm, I'm, I haven't really been doing much creative. Uh, and I think that's another reason why I've been so bummed out lately is because I haven't had that creative outlet. But as far as writing, more so just, just formulating ideas. I'm also, I write scripts, I write books. So I have uh, I have some scripts in my head that I think uh, that I've been just again just letting the ideas roll. So not much music. I'm just really looking forward to performing this album as far as music goes. Um, got a couple of things that you know somebody every now and then someone hit me up and hey can you uh, lay a hook for me or hey can uh, I got this project that I'm working on can I get a feature from you? So you know definitely you know that that still but I haven't done anything for myself because I'm like hell I got an awesome ass album waiting to you That's know be true. released on the record. Yeah, so, that, that's true. I didn't mean to suggest that <laughs> you should be. I mean, you did just make a big album. So figure out how to, when we get back uh, uh, out in the venues and on stage, figure out how to play that album. And I can't wait to hear that and watch it. Uh, Shaw, a.k.a. Goldie Pipes, thanks for being here on the Dream Podcast. We're going to take it out. What should we play for them on the outro? Which song should I put in? Yeah, let's. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff, but I kind of want to sing about dancing, so... Uh, if we haven't played Butter Grits or Instant Satisfaction, give them some of that.
But baby, please remember that you're spirit child. I know you're on revenge, cause I wanna end it now. But celebrating being petty means you're still a child. And it like a grown up, sugar on up. My mama made my kiss exactly how I want them. She dropped a big scoop of butter, but you call it excess. Big rims, big trucks, child, I'm from Texas. Big bang in the trunk of a big slab. That big booty on your back landing in my lap. I'm a southern boy, Mississippi roots. On my daddy's side, mama's side from the boot. Like my grits buttered and my chicken smothered. Gotta split from you, cause you know I love my grits. That's a country dish. Don't give a damn if you're feeling it. Put some eggs in that shit Oh, I need my butter bits Leftover fried chicken wings Now I'm telling my man It's a country fuck thing Now break it down like Hey, alright You still make good loving Then say Dream Studios podcast is brought to you by PuppetTelegrams.com. Think of someone in your life. Would they love getting a personalized telegram from a puppet? Of course they would. You choose the puppet. That's the fun part. Will it be Wingo the Bat, lovable and dim-witted? Will it be Lionel the Lion, who is blustery and proud? Maybe you'll choose Layla the Chicken, sarcastic and edgy, or Vitaly the Monster, an excitable force of nature. After that, you provide some quick details about your recipient to help the puppet telegram be as personalized as possible. It's a quick and easy way to make someone laugh for quite literally any occasion. A birthday, anniversary, graduation, promotion, get well, congratulations, retirement, I miss you, and my favorite, just because. You don't have to be a kid to crack up at... You don't have to be a kid to crack up at one of these telegrams, and the messages can be anywhere from wholesome to edgy and everywhere in between. To get you started, the puppets are giving you a $10 coupon. Just use the code LAUGH, that's L-A-U-G-H, if you decide to order a puppet telegram from puppettelegrams.com.